we interrupt this program to bring you Courage the Cowardly Dog Show, starring Courage the Cowardly Dog. Abandoned as a pup, he was found by Muriel, who lives in the middle of nowhere with her husband, Eustace Bay. But creepy stuff happens in nowhere. It's up to Courage to save his new home. Stupid dog, you made me look bad. <laughs> Welcome to Death Holler. This is a special episode, uh, straight out of nowhere, Scooby-Doo meets Courage the Cowardly Dog. Um, I am your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me as always is La Urena. How are you today? I'm excited to be here. We got quite a bit to go over. Yeah, this is an interesting one. We we brought it up on one of the previous Death Holler News episodes about, uh, you know, one of the, the actors who played Miriam, uh, Thea White. Uh, how she uh, unfortunately recently passed, and one of her things that she, one of her death wishes basically that she had was that she could live, live long enough to see the release of this film, and unfortunately that didn't happen, but we thought it would appro- be appropriate, you know, uh, given the situation and kind of our uh, uh, mutual, you know, love for both of the characters to kind of, you know, do a special episode. Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, Scooby-Doo and Courage the Cowardly Dog, I mean, Scooby-Doo was there from birth and up, obviously, way before we were born, I believe. Right. <laughs> and and then Courage of the Cowardly Dog, which came kind of close to our adult years. That was still fun to watch, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, I remember watching, I don't, I, I honestly, it was way past the time I should have been watching any cartoons, but... There was something about courage, and, and you know that's uh, that that I got into like later on, just because of the the nature of what the show was. If you're a horror fan, and you know you could tell the people who made that show were at least fans of the old cheesy, you know, like fifties uh, and sixties horror, because they kind of threw some of that stuff out there, like with some of the weird characters they came out with. They even had some you know Lovecraftian stuff pop up on the show. So I mean, it was. That one got me just based on the content of it. I, I I liked it for that reason, and you know, of course, the the art direction and that the way they animate the characters on that show was really you know well done as uh, as well. And of course, you know, talking about Scooby Doo, I mean, Scooby Doo's like reinvented itself like a million times. I feel like you got the original show that everybody remembers and and has seen, you know, and then you've got the the ones that I really like or the ones that came out probably around the same time that Courage came out are the ones where they ditched the whole thing about it being just a masked uh, killer or a masked, uh, you know, like, you know, random person that was trying to, you know, take money from the theme park or whatever they were doing. And they actually made them real monsters. And they in the films like Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island, uh, Scooby-Doo with, uh, uh, I think it's the, the Witch's Curse or something is the name of it. I really like that one because it had Tim Curry as like a sorcerer in it. So that was neat. Um, but I, I, I dug those movies as a reinvention because it was like they, the, they were so used to the characters, uh, or so used to the villains being like some masked, you know, random person, like some old man or something that was, you know, and then it ends up being like real monsters and they have to deal with it. And I thought that was a neat twist on it. And of course they had the live Which action. is funny because it probably made them less afraid, you know, cause they're like, <laughs> oh, well, this is just some fucking random person running this in the background. We know what's up. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> there's real monsters out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the stakes are a lot more, you know, intense now. And of course they came out with the live action movies, you know, they had, uh, uh, you know, Matthew Lillard, who we'll be discussing is actually, you know, still doing the voice of Shaggy surprisingly, but he was in that and, um, I think you had Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar, and um, and and they were decent for what they were. I mean, they were cheesy, but I mean, Scooby Doo's cheesy, so I mean, they fit. They were appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> not just Scooby Doo, and I know we're not moving on to Courage yet, but you put these two dogs together. You talk about cheese and horror in one <laughs> element. It was it was the perfect amount. It's like one of those boards. What are those boards called that have all the cheeses and meats on it? I can't even pronounce it. Charcuterie or however they say yeah, it. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. It is a perfect mixture. <laughs> but, um, I mean, is there anything else you want to add about, like, you know, your, you know, history with either of the fan- franchises before we get into the, the meat of the episode? Yes, I'm going to just briefly bring up my memory of Scooby-Doo because uh, my parents, they worked these really odd hours at a local factory that is no longer open anymore, thank goodness. But they would drop me off at my grandma's house 
it super, super early in the morning. We're talking about maybe four o'clock in the morning. And grandma always had Cartoon Network up. This was before Adult Swim, thank God, because I would have seen Adult Swim at a really, really young age. <laughs> so Cartoon Network was up and I got I was exposed to cartoons like the Fantastic Four, um, just all the old classic, classic cartoons from the 60s and 70s. And Scooby-Doo was one of them that would come on probably around 530 in the morning. And my creepy ass was up just watching TV. And I always remember just the old classic Scooby-Doo. And they had this really good intro of showing ghosts and, and spooking it up before they started playing the theme song. And as a little kid, that was kind of spooky to me. Because at this point, I wasn't watching scary movies yet. But it was definitely my introduction to the horror world. So I just... Really, really loved and appreciated that. Um, I did. I liked it so much that I had a hard time with newer versions of Scooby-Doo. Now, I have seen the live actions. I've seen some of the newer, one of the even most recent films that they've made. Well, not films, but, you know, animated film, I should say. And I actually liked it. And so they did a really good job. But some of the in-between stuff, like, can we talk about what a fucking little dipshit Scrappy Dappy Doo was? <laughs> well, I was going to bring him up. And also a pup named, <laughs> and a pup named Scooby-Doo. I forgot about that one. We got to bring that one up, too. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, but, yeah, the uh, Scrappy-Doo is notorious amongst anybody who's watched the show just being, like, the most annoying aspect of, of any of Scooby-Doo's history. And I love the fact that in one of the films, animated, or I mean, live action films, spoiler alert, he uh, ends up being the bad guy, which I thought was a great twist because he always felt like he was the bad guy. Yeah, he always, I don't know. He was always sus to me. I don't know. But um, on A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, what I liked about that one is, uh, or what I remember the most about that one is the fact that Fred always blamed this one character on the show called uh, Red Herring, which, you know, was a play on the, the words Red Herring, as being the cause of it. He was just kind of like this red-headed, like, you know, little bastard, basically, that went around harassing people. He was a school bully. And Fred was always like, it's obviously Red Herring. And, like, everybody looked at him and, like, just groaned because, you know, it was every time he was suggesting Red Herring as being the one that did it. And I just thought that was... As a ginger myself, I just, I found it funny. So I thought that was. A- oh, good. You didn't take it at all. You're like, oh, fuck you, Fred. <laughs> but, um. Little racist bastard. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's what I remember. Uh, and, and that course, that actually was whenever I was kind of a kid that that came out. I think that was like early nineties or whatever. So that was, uh, that one I watched actually more than the original Scooby-Doo because that one was oriented toward like kids my age yeah i mean they had a scooby-doo for everyone um i think that growing up watching the super super classics super early in the morning like i did i think unfortunately that affected the kind of cartoons i watched i'd say between i don't know eight eight and eleven i feel like i skipped a generation of probably some really good cartoons aside from like teenage mutant ninja turtles and everything but I did like start watching cartoons that were probably more appropriate for older children. Um, and that was like, oh, God, Batman the Animated Series. I mean, that was pretty dark. That one was a you good know? one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, and then jumping to, I don't know, I think I was never age appropriate. Because then when I was in my upper teens, going into the adult years, I switched back and I started watching things like Courage. And... <laughs> <laughs> Power Rocco's Modern and, Life and things like that. Yeah, I I watched all those Nicktoons, so yeah, I can't really say anything. And I and I was and I think I was watching those whenever I was an early teenager. So I I mean, but Rocco's Modern Life, I would argue, has got a lot of adult themed stuff in it. So uh, honestly, one hundred percent. I mean, there are masturbation jokes in that show that. Goes right over a kid's head, thankfully. But if you're an adult, you're like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize this was in there. So, I mean. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, my God. Because I let my kids watch that. And I'm sure my teenager gets it. Uh, I don't think the younger one does. But you kind of think about that. And you're like, I want them to watch the classics. And then you're like, oh, that's what I was watching. Where were my parents? (laughs) Probably watching and getting a kick out of it. 
and, and I think it was funny at the same time, I, you know, whenever I was younger, it, that was around the time that they came out with all those shows like Animaniacs and, um, you know, uh, Tiny Toon Adventures. And they also had like Freakazoid. And the funny thing about all those, they were all those Spielberg, you know, shows around the same time that, you know, Batman the Animated Series came out. They had all these old references to like older actors and movies and stuff. And like, you know, I I can get it now because I'm more exposed to, you know, like more, you know, culture, you know, and pop culture than I was when I was a kid. I mean, but when you're, I mean, but even a kid in the nineties, like, you know, they were referenced stuff from referencing stuff from back in the forties. And you're just like, I mean, it flew right over your head, you know, cause you didn't know, I mean, like a, even Freakazoid, he had like Ernest Borgnine as like, I think like one or Ed Asner, one of the two, I think it might've been Ed Asner as like his sidekick. That guy hadn't been relevant for like, you know, a decade at least by that point. So, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, they, they were making those for those a lot of those cartoons for adults, but like you know, given enough for kids to get into just with the bouncing you know idiotic characters that were on the screen, but like the actual jokes in the background were you know something only adults who knew more about pop culture were going to get any reference to. Yeah, and you know what? If you think about it, it actually makes sense. We're sitting here saying, "Oh man, we were exposed to this," and blah blah blah. And obviously, we're not complaining. We loved it, and to this day, still do. But it makes sense because if your kid is going to be plopped in front of a TV watching this show, you better put some stuff in there for the adults to at least catch on to pique their interest as well because they're either going to have to watch it or they're going to have to give up the TV. Back in the day, it wasn't like today where you could have a TV in every room at an affordable price. You know, (laughs) there's a TV for everyone now. We have TV, sometimes two TVs in certain rooms of our house. Every room has a TV, which is funny because we don't watch as much tv as a lot of people do but if somebody wants to watch something and somebody else doesn't there are four other rooms to choose from and there's (laughs) and there's tablets and there's you know phones i just think it's funny because you go back and you watch like back to the future and it's it's funny from two different ways in that because like he's in 1955 and he's talking to like his mom's family at the dinner table and like he, you know, and, and he mentions to him, he's like, yeah, we got two TVs. And like, you know, his, you know, his young uncle or whatever looks up at him from the table and he's like, you've got two TVs like that, you know, how rich are you? And then like you and then like you think in 1985, two TVs was kind of a big thing. But then like even now, like you said, like every room has the potential for a TV. It's just kind of, you know, it, it's. It's just funny looking back through, the, you know, the history of all that. Yeah, but no, I definitely appreciate the adult references in cartoons from the past because it gives us a good excuse to kind of watch them today and kind of catch on to that. And then you're like, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> catching things that you didn't before and understanding now. OK, I understand why that was there. And I'm glad as a kid I was able to breeze past that. That showed I had some sort of innocence whatsoever, you know. <laughs> Who knows what poor children today, if they're watching it, I don't know. You know what? I want to bring up another cartoon real quick before we move on to this show, um, Beetlejuice, the animated series of that one. Oh, my God. I don't want to talk about it too much, but that was a good one with a lot of horror references and how they took that movie and were able to have how many seasons? I think it was like two seasons or something of Beetlejuice. Mm Mm-hmm. I, it, it, so it always felt longer to me whenever I go back and I watch these shows or, or you know, I, I look at the the IMDb for a lot of these shows when I was a kid. Like when you're a kid, like, you know, first of all, it's one of those things where the summers stretch on forever. Like time seems to have no like real meaning to you. But then like you watch these TV shows and you could swear there was like 20 seasons of these things. Like every day you were seeing like a different episode and you go back and you watch them and there was maybe 26 episodes total, like over two seasons. And you're like, it just blows your mind that that's all that there was because you remember so many more of them whenever you were a kid. Well, and those were the days when we had to, I don't know how you were, but I was literally sitting at home. I would get home from school and I would plop on the TV and I would count down the seconds. We had a, it was on cable TV. We had a menu. I think they still have it too, where you could watch what was playing and I would wait. I believe it was Fox where I watched most of my cartoons and I would literally watch the time count down till 3 p.m. when my cartoons would come on. So these were the days where they weren't there to stream, obviously. You couldn't just watch 26 cartoons in one day. You literally had to wait every week for a new episode to come out. And the anticipation was so much, but it was so worth it. 
Yeah, and you had to wait that long, and then sometimes, and and this, not to bring up another one, but it's just one that came to my mind because you said that the real Ghostbusters, you know, that that came oh out. yeah, that was so good, and it, and I mean, it really was based on horror stuff. I mean, like, but I mean, it was one of those things where like you would. As a kid, you would like see an episode, and then like it would be so long, it would feel like until the next one that even when they did repeats, like it never dawned on you as a repeat. It's like you're watching it again for the first time. Like something in the back of your mind was telling you, it's like maybe I've seen this before, but like no, you were just like, oh man, it's it's back on. Let's watch this. Oh my god, those were, those were definitely the days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, shall we move on and start talking about this here I episode? I believe it's time. So. All right. I'll start this out because I, you're probably going to have to carry me on this episode, as I've told you, you know, off air. Like, I, there's there's a lot of this that's like the typical. I mean, and it's it's common with Scooby Doo, especially where it's a lot of literally running uh, along a hallway into different doors. I mean, they got that gag in there, and we'll get to it. But I mean, just a lot of just like you know these in between scenes where there's a lot of just uh, you know chasing after a villain or villains chasing after them, and like. I don't know. I feel like I got, you know, my mind's like, you know, lost in some of those scenes and I don't remember the better ones, but I do remember how this one starts out and I really love it because they're, it's, it starts out on the Scooby-Doo side and it shows the kids, uh, they've caught their newest villain, which looks like some kind of evil clown that's been robbing banks. And I, I, I love how they, when they start out on this one, it's, it's the, you know, it's the typical Scooby-Doo, they unmask the villain they, you know, reveal who he is and, and, you know, his ideas and, or, you know, what, why he did it and all that. But then it does the twist where suddenly Scooby starts hearing like this weird, like sound, like this drum beat or some kind of weird, like, you know, vibration. And he starts acting real weird and he, he, he can't like really hear like any of the other characters like doing their like, you know, reveal speech, which I thought was funny because they, they kind of, you know, they start that and Velma's going into why the person did it and how they caught him like she always does. And it just kind of drones off into the distance and like Scooby's just like going crazy over this, this sound. And the thing that I love most about it is he goes away, he gets drawn away by this sound, and like they literally drop the case. Like they don't even like they <laughs> they they're just like, uh, maybe we should go after Scooby. And then they look at the guy and they're like, You're cool to stay here, right? You're you're not gonna like leave. And he just kinda nods at him. And then like, of course, after they leave, he unties himself and just and leaves it all, puts the mask back on and takes the money with him. And I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah, they actually apologized to him too. Like, we're so sorry about this. <laughs> What the hell? It's like we normally take care of the whole situation, but we've got things that to focus on instead. Yeah, our number one dog just like ran off. Like, what the hell's going on? He never does that. He's trained. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was a neat twist to get you into the show because it's, you know, it gives you the, the standard Scooby Doo that you're used to. Uh, but like you've caught the tail end of one of their, you know, mysteries, uh, but then it like, you know, something weird is happening and it like, you know, and then it kind of sets you up for where you're going from there. Uh, you know what I like the most about this opening scene is that, yes, you had your typical Scooby. Well, it was a typical Scooby closing is what it was. It was like the end of a Scooby-Doo episode and rolling straight into a Courage the Cowardly Dog, you know, episode. And what I liked about mixing the two is that before both dogs started doing their little twerk, ep you know, their little <laughs> twerking that they were doing. <laughs> That's It was twerking. That's what it really was. They definitely had some body yaddy yaddy going on, but I liked that it was the Courage the Cowardly Dog, I don't know, action song. So it was those those drums, like you mentioned, and as soon as I heard it, it just brought me back to Courage. I was like, okay, that's Courage right there. They're going to go to nowhere because I know that song, and I, I'm going to play it too. I'm going to definitely be adding some sound clips into this episode. But, oh, my God, I was so excited when I heard that. I think my heart started beating, like, yes, like, this is it. We're doing it right now. It's happening. I feel bad because I never caught that reference at all, that that's what that was. Like, because I, I remember. I the, hate you. I, I'm sorry, but I just remember the, the, <laughs> the, and they did it later, and I loved it. The, I remember the way that the show started all the time, and it was with that announcer, and it's like, welcome to nowhere, you know, like he's that got that announcer voice, and he comes back in like the middle of the episode, and I'm like, that's what I'm looking for with Courage. That's what I'm missing. He's like, you know, yeah. he's like, Eustace Bags, you know, like he, he like that guy comes in later in the movie, and that's what I remember from the intro to the show, and that's what stuck, you know, stood out for me, and, and whenever that popped up, I, I got what you're talking about, like the, oh man, that, that the Courage, you know, that, that that's what I remember about Courage is that guy, you know, starting out each show. 
But, oh, yeah. And I did. There was wasn't that like there was a part in the middle of the movie where he's not middle. It was like actually towards the end where it was. Was it the governor or one of his assistants, the mayor that kind of talks about nowhere? Creepy things happen in the middle of nowhere. Well, it, what it and was I'm like, is, yeah, they were in his mansion, the governor's mansion or the mayor's mansion it was a mayor. And he and they and like I think Velma or one of them came across like a videotape about nowhere and they started playing it. And that's where the announcer guy comes in that always announced the intro to the show. Yes, I was so excited. But um, then the nostalgia really got me in this in the show. Yeah, there was or this movie. There was definitely parts of it that really got me, and that was one of them. Whenever they they brought that up, and of course the Scooby Doo opening, or you know, opening slash closing of the you know what a regular Scooby Doo would be. Um, but I I like the fact that whenever they they go into nowhere, like it's you know like it, it's it starts out with just Scooby there, like whenever he first comes upon the farm that you know, and you see the farm, you're like, oh man, this brings back memories, you know, like that was another bit of nostalgia. Whenever you see the bags, uh, you know, like household basically. And then, you know, and then he starts hearing that sound even more. And that's whenever courage actually comes out because he's drawn to it. Yes. They both know they both have that doggy senses. I mean, did you want me to continue going through this and we can comment as we go? Yeah, go right ahead. I mean, you have the typical courage when Scooby was doing his thing and making his way to middle of nowhere. You basically got courage that is dealing with I don't know if I'm pronouncing this properly. Is it the cicadas? Cicadas? Uh, cicadas. Cicadas. Thank yeah. you. I was like, I'm going to say this wrong. I'm going to delete that. <laughs> Ain't nobody ever going to hear it. <laughs> so you got courage. <laughs> you got courage dealing with the cicadas. Is that how it's? <laughs> you just told me. Is it cicadas? Cicadas. Yeah. Okay. You got him dealing with that. And of course, Muriel and Eustace have no fucking clue. It's, like, it's always literally happening right next to them. It's always right behind them. They never have a clue that's going on, and it's always courage that saves them from what it, well, most of the time saves them. I mean, there's been, there was a few episodes I remember where one or the two of them, usually, you know, Eustace uh, ended up getting, like, you know, whisked off into, you know, oblivion or, you know, somehow killed, you know, but they didn't make it seem that way. But, like, he, he something bad happened to him, and it was just, you know, cow, you know cowardly, the courage, you know, Courage the Cowardly Dog, and then, you know, Miriam, like, you know, left at the end of the episode, but, like, you know, it, it, it most of the time it was just him saving them, so that that's kind of, you know, and they had no idea that it was going on. Yeah. So, um, the dogs, they, they meet, obviously, they're doing their little twerk thing, and then, of course, the Scooby gang and Muriel and Eustace, they kind of basically have a basic meet and greet and get to know each other. Nothing too fancy there, but you can tell that Muriel's excited to have some people in town, which they literally live in the middle of nowhere. So I would be excited too. <laughs> yeah, uh, she's you know Muriel's interested in um, in you know seeing the the new kid, you know the kids, and getting to meet them because she has. I mean, just like it's kind of sad. It's like a you know typical old person, you know, that's kind of you don't have any family around or anything. You know, just wants to somebody to hang around with and you know share stories with and. Of course, Eustace is just an old mean bastard, and he don't want to have anything to do with him at all. So, Oh, yeah. I've, I mean, shocker. Um, in this scene, you kind of have Daphne and Muriel kind of, I don't know, exchanging riddles of sorts or throwing riddles back and forth to each other, which they kind of do throughout the film. And So that was some kind of, you know, I don't know. They had a lot of communication through riddles, if you will. I, one thing I want to throw in here is that whenever they introduced Eustace, I knew for a fact that wasn't the original actor's voice that did, that did that because like he sounded off to me. And I don't know if you felt that way, but as soon as I heard him, I'm like, mm, not quite there. That's not quite him. And I looked it up, and it was different from the guy who at least started Courage. I don't know if that guy followed it all the way through, or maybe they replaced him with that guy eventually on later in the show. But the voice of Eustace is different for anybody who you know remembers that. At least I noticed it. Okay, you know what? I didn't at first, so that's a good catch. But now that you're saying it, I will say that every time that Eustace did the ooga booga booga, it didn't sound the same to me. You know when he'd put on the scary mask and let, he'd be like ooga booga booga. Let, let's make a uh, let, let's just go ahead and, and and address that right now. The first time he did it, nostalgia worked out fine. Absolutely. You know? The thousandth time that he did it in the movie. <laughs> 
it, it was a little stale. They should have. I, I mean, they, they really went to that well too many times. I got to throw that out. They there. did it way too many times, and you knew it was coming because it was like, hold on, real quick. Let me put on this mask. Booga, booga, booga. And it's like, um, oh, okay. I, well, the, the thing is that that bothered me about that was is I remember there was more about Eustace, at least in my mind, than him just doing that. I mean, you know. If nothing else, just the fact he was a mean, you know, grumpy bastard. And and I don't know why they had to keep going back to that. It was like, yeah, that may be one of the few things that brings him joy in life is scaring the shit out of people. But, like, I mean, th- like, the, the one time in the, like, he's already done it, like, three or four times in the movie. And you're in the mayor's mansion at this point, And he, like, just whips one off the wall and, like, does it. And I'm just like, man, you know, why do they keep, I mean, this is a little much now. I mean, you know. Yeah, we understand that you don't have any kind of, you know, interaction for Eustace to go through, but this is not all he's good for. <laughs> they they could have. They really stuck to the basic. He could have just ran off for a while and nobody would have noticed. Well, they kind of did that with him for a while because he, like you said, his whole thing is he's just kind of off in the background in action, you know, doing nothing through most of the courage. But they could have gave him something else to do. I mean, I just, I don't know. I felt like that that was a little too much of a play to, you know, nostalgia. They were just like, well, what are we going to do with him? Uh, Ooga booga, 14th time. Yeah, okay. You know, let, let's do that. <laughs> Genius. You're on the board. Um, Yeah, that was, it, it got real old with Eustace. I mean, I definitely... The first time was cool. Second time, I was like, okay, that's enough. Third time, was like, enough. And then it went rolled into 500 times, and you're like, okay, I'm over it. Eustace, could you have gone over the cliff with your truck? <laughs> I do want to throw in here, Which, I, you know, because we, we, we kind of, you know, just talked about the cicadas. I like the fact that, uh, that um, what, let's see, Velma is was uh, still trying to give like a scientific reason behind why they were like that. Like she was refusing entirely to give up all of her ration. Like there's no such thing as magic. There's no such thing as monsters. There's a rational reason why these uh, bugs. And, and I thought that was a good twist. I, I, I wanted to comment on that. The fact that they made it a bug, but just a bigger bug because that allowed her rational, you know, mind to be able to move into the story easier than it would have if she just started out with like cats or, you know, uh, uh, you know, the the duck guy or whatever, like starting out immediately, it's like, what the fuck is this? You know, like she she would yeah. she would have never been able to transition into that without like having the you know, a monster that was just basically a giant bug, you know, that could be like well Exactly. And know. let's be honest, the Scooby Gang, they're definitely from California. <laughs> they we don't we don't have bugs that are that big out here, okay? We keep them at bay, we know what's up. But you go down to the south, which is obvious probably not obvious where Eustace and Mario live, but they don't live in California. <laughs> I always they imagine. It. I always imagine oh, them. Go ahead. I always imagine them living in like maybe Nebraska or Kansas, one of the flat states, because like you see, yes. you see no mountains at all. Like I mean, as somebody who lives in the the hollers of Appalachia, like there's no land out here that looks like their land. I mean, because I mean, if you don't have like a some kind of hill somewhere, it ain't it don't look normal here. I mean, but you know, so I every time I always uh, that was something I was going to bring up. Ever I don't know where nowhere nowhere is supposed to be, just basically anywhere USA, but it really looks like you know one of the midwestern flat states. Yeah, and we do have a nowhere out here. I mean, not li- literally a nowhere, but it's middle of nowhere out here that would make sense, but they don't have the big bugs. And it seems that encourage we've seen that a few times at least, you know, where they have these crazy sized bugs, and I hear that that's a thing in other states and that's something that I mentally need to prepare myself for. So there that moving is a, forward. <laughs> that, that is a thing. There are pretty big size cicadas. There are pretty big size locusts. They just recently came out and, and terrorized uh, a little bit north and west of here. So, I mean, they are a thing. <laughs> no, thank you, sir. No, thank you. But uh, I, I don't want to. What if you just, can I just do that? Like if I see one, I'm like, no, thank you. Are they polite? Do they just go away? If I'm just uh, like, no, thank you. They're, I don't. They're, they're mostly, <laughs> they, they don't really do much. I mean, they're mostly, they're, they're scary based on their size. But I mean, if you leave them alone, they're fine. They're just kind of gross because they leave like their big ass body carcasses like hanging on trees. And you're like, what the fuck is that? You know, like when you go out to your like trees after they've been around and it's just kind of this gross. Like if you think about like, 
Their eco-skeleton. It's what it is, but like it reminds me, what I think of is like that. Yeah, like I think of the Aliens movies. Like, you know, they they got their eggs and their eggs crack open and it's just like this nasty mess that's left in where the egg was at. That's kind of what it looks like. It's gross, but like, you know, hey, the Native Americans ate them. So, I mean, like, you know, they're apparently a protein. Yeah, they're a good protein source. So, there you go. Oh, my God. My, My daughter would collect them. I could just see it now. She'd have a box full of these... Exoskeletons. No, thank you. Yeah, that, I'm just she, gonna have to say that now. I, I can see that. That would probably be a thing. But uh, get, get back into the show. I did like the scene where uh, Muriel uh, baked them cookies, and I paused. Yes, for- and this was the scene that wasn't this the scene that like Courage and Scooby were fighting off like something coming out of the sink. Yeah, some kind of like hairy uh, like I don't know like drain monster we'll just call or something. It a hair ball. Yeah. Like- yeah. I almost expect it to be that one hairy monster from like, because uh, it's a Warner Brothers two, the uh, the old uh, Looney Tunes cartoons. You know, the big red, you know, hairy monster. Oh yeah! I almost expected oh, it to I be. I liked him. Yeah, I almost expected it to be him, but they didn't bring him into that. So. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, did you get the impression in this scene that nobody noticed until it until Shaggy got attacked? Yeah, that basically it was like the, the only the dogs were seeing it. Everybody else was, you know, just like they always are. Something about nowhere that you know you never see. The only people, the, the only the animals tend to see for some reason the the you know the weird stuff that's going on. Except you know Shaggy's close enough to Scooby, probably in both hygiene and demeanor, that uh, yes. <laughs> that he was you know he got brought into it. So and and that brought in everybody else as a result. Yeah, so they get it taken care of, and then, like, Muriel just basically tells the dogs, okay, go watch some TV. So they go off and they have some, I don't know, interaction with Eustace, if you want to call it interaction. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly just him complaining. Um, And that's about the time they kind of get the invite uh, for dinner to go over to the mayor's house in the middle of nowhere. And what I liked, this happened multiple times is how often Eustace brought up that he doesn't remember voting for this guy. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. It's like, I don't, I, did, I don't, I didn't vote for this guy. Who is this? There's, there's no mayor. Yeah. I didn't vote for him. Well, did you vote for anybody? Because you didn't even know that there was a mayor. So let's be honest. And not only that, when they get to dinner, which I'm not skipping too fast over, I'm just kind of, they they get there, the mayor's like, I don't remember inviting you, but hold on, you know? And he's like, well, I don't remember voting for you, so we're even. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> Burn. I, I, the one thing that, I mean, because that scene transitions into the, one of the scenes that I was talking about earlier about it was just this extended drive where Eustace uh, refused to get in the, the mystery machine and he had to drive yes. his old beat up, you know, jalopy. <laughs> and of course, they I pl- love that. <laughs> it, it's it's appropriate. And that was a good use of him because that's definitely what he would do. But um, so they put like the two dogs in there with him and uh, then everybody else is uh, riding, you know, in the mystery machine. And there's this big extended scene where there's like this queen bug or some queen cicada that's that's uh, the size of a human being that like basically kicks Eustace out of his own truck and takes over. And they and, and it's just a lot of back and forth, at, uh, you know, across this, which it, it's funny. It transitions from Kansas into basically like the uh, Grand Canyon at this point is what I thought was weird mm-hmm. about that scene. Like, yes, I was good. I didn't bring that up when you were talking about it. Like, there's no real hilly areas. And I'm like, well, we get a scene. <laughs> But well, I mean, but usually in in nowhere like what you remember the show, there's not any of that. It's just like it's kind of weird. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's like they threw this in there just so they could have like these death defying scenes of like the mystery machine and the and the you know Eustace Jalopy kind of careening off the side of these uh these plateaus and everything. And it just kind of goes on a little too long. If you want to, if you, from my own personal opinion, like they could have cut it down probably about at least five minutes and I would have been fine. Yes. If they had kept it at maybe like two, three minutes tops and still had it ending with Eustace's truck where it was, which was fucking hilarious. Cause he's like my truck. <laughs> I don't know why I got such a kick out of that because that is such a like elderly man thing. He's got his old, like you said, beat up jalopy. Um, I like how I believe it was Shaggy who was like, I mean, it might still be okay. And then it gets impaled. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's like, it's like, really not that bad. And then it explodes. 
yeah, Shaggy's typical, like, it could be fun, man. And then all of a sudden it blows up. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I, I liked that probably because the scene went on too long and I was like, okay, let's just end this. Um, the first time I watched this, I was, I told you, I was at work, shame on me. Uh, there was no uh, adult supervision whatsoever. So <laughs> I'm sitting here watching it. And every time I kind of like, I'm kind of working and looking, working and looking. And every time I look up, I'm like, is this still happening? <laughs> can we, can we, what? We're still in the, okay, we're driving. All right, this is uh, happening. Oh, there's the queen bug. I'll be honest with you. This is one of those scenes where I pulled out my phone and I started like doing other things, waiting for it to, uh, to end. So, I mean, I hate doing that. Yeah, with, I started working. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate doing that with movies, but like it really did go on too long. I mean, I don't know. I mean, and I feel like we have more attention span than kids do nowadays. I don't know how this would play out amongst kids. I just feel like it, I mean, you know, because they, did, they didn't do that in the show. Like the shows were so, you know, that because of time constraints, they had like this kind of scene would have played out like in about two or three minutes, would have been over with. They would have been on to the next thing. But they didn't, I, I don't know, I don't understand why, I mean, I, it feels like padding to me. It feels like, okay, we've got a certain runtime we've got to hit, what kind of things, we, oh, let's make this uh, chase scene last like twice as long. It's like, okay, sounds good. Ooga booga. <laughs> Ooga, oh God. Yeah, way too much like highway speed, not even highway speed, but mountain speed chase and ooga booga. But uh, we could have done with less. I wonder what scenes I didn't look into if they had to cut any major scenes, but I'd be so disappointed to find out they had cut any kind of actual interaction scene that didn't include Ooga Booga, you know, to fit more of this in. I don't know if they had a specific runtime they needed to achieve, you know? Yeah, they, they, I'm sure that they, somebody gave them like some kind of, you know, thing like that and, you know, gave them an ultimatum about here's what you've got to hit, here's what you got to do. And I, I, I just feel like, you know, that there was more they could have done with the individual, like you said, exactly, the character interactions. They could have developed Eustace a little bit more somehow in another way and, and, and gave that screen, screen time over to that versus, you know, some of these extended scenes like this. Yeah, and even um, even Eustace complaining, I'm sorry, but I love to hear this old man complain. It doesn't get old to me. It is so typical. It Usually in the cartoon, it was always funny, you know? Yeah. It wasn't ever super inappropriate or anything like that. And I'm like, can you please just let the old man complain? I love it. Yeah, I, I really like that about the the original show, too. And I, and I would have appreciated more if they would have just let him rant about some kind of, you know, just nonsensical thing, like some, you know, like some old man would do like, you know, talking about something about his lawn, even though if you, you know, take a look at his house, like he has no, he has dirt. He doesn't even have like, you know, any crops or whatever, but it would have been funny oh, yeah. if he was complaining about how his, you know, these kids were on his lawn or something like, you know, just anything, you know, like that. Like Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he complained about the mystery machine. You can tell, look it, it is heavily implied that Eustace is conservative as they get because he saw the mystery machine and was like, you crazy teenagers, I'm not getting in that with you, you know? Yeah, basically, impl <laughs> he, he implies that they're probably high. I mean, it, it's not, he doesn't come right out and say it, but there's there's a little bit of that. It's like, okay, you hippies, I'm not getting anywhere near your van, so. Exactly, so <laughs> I... The, the the interactions with Eustace are always good, so why they didn't use them a little more was upsetting in my opinion, but I'm not going to let that ruin my good time. So, um, ready to move forward? Ready to move forward to the mayor's uh, house because that's, yes, that's where... They reunite. <laughs> that's where it actually got good for a, a bit, and some of the stuff that, we, that, that we've already previously mentioned happens in here. Uh, one of the things I want to bring up, and I didn't know if you noticed this, there was a lot of references to young Frankenstein in this movie. Um, oh, absolutely. There was, there was the scene where the, the butler or whatever, sh you know, chauffeur, whatever he was, like the big, you know, burly, you know, hideous looking guy is like, walk this way, you know, and of course does the limp. And it's just like, you know, the, 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 the scene, you know, where, you know, Igor does that in young Frankenstein. And then there's the, the, the house, you know, cleaner slash mate or, you know, cook or whatever she is, is basically Frau Blucher, you know, because every time they say her name, oh, yeah. it's very similar. There's like a horse whinnying in the background. I thought that was kind of a neat twist. That's like, what? why did they throw in young Frankenstein? I love it, but I don't know why they threw that in there. <laughs> well, I was laughing because speaking of young Frankenstein, uh, I asked my husband, and this is embarrassing, but I asked him if 
Frankenstein, is it like German? Because it, it like shouldn't it be pronounced like Frankenstein? And apparently that's a scene in Young Frankenstein. I've never seen it. Oh my God. Yeah, you need to watch that this Halloween season. Yeah, he, he's got... In the movie, he's like the American descended, like you know, great or grandson of like you know the the of Frankenstein who made the monster. So, and he's he's in the medical field himself because it's implied that you know their family's good at surgery and that sort of thing. And uh, because you know everybody knows about the history of his family, he's trying to get away from it because it's a dark history. So every time they say uh, you know Doctor Frankenstein, he's like it's Frankenstein. You know, like he 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 wants to distance his name by making it actually what people probably pronounced in, in German. You know, yeah, <laughs> which was pretty funny. I mean, it would, and the reason why I bring this up is because I believe that the. Um, the host or the butler, whatever he was, I think his name was Her Glockenspiel. Glockenspiel? Not sure. I saw it in notes somewhere. And I'm like, that's doubt. Everything, it was heavily implied that the staff was German in this mansion. <laughs> that is true. Um, I didn't, because uh, they, they did have him and then, you know, the Frau Blucher stand in. Uh, and, and just going back on that to Young Frankenstein, the reason it's Igor in that movie and not Igor is because he, he goes through that whole thing again with, with Igor uh, about how he's it's Frankenstein and not Frankenstein. And uh, whenever he asks, uh, whenever he says, I, you know, Igor to, you know, the character, uh, Igor just to piss him off. It's like, it's Igor, you know, so. Oh, my God. <laughs> just despite. Yeah, just kind of, you know, it was a spiteful thing. But uh, but there's a lot of good scenes in this one. And in, in, in the, the mayor's mansion, I, I like the... Uh, the there's at one point where uh, Scooby it's a little bit later on but like Scooby and uh, Shaggy and I believe it's Courage are getting chased by uh, some of the the cicadas and they start doing and and they're, maybe they're getting chased by something else I can't remember but uh, they start going like in and out of the doors in the hallway or whatever like typical Scooby Doo you know like yes like they go in one door and appear at like the top of the screen and the way back you know and and they're barely missing these you know monsters at the same time that one worked for me even though it was one of those ones that could you know felt a little bit longer than it should have been but it was it was not by much it was close to what it was just like they kept that one short and I liked that um. I like. I, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for that scene to happen. So when, yes, in the mansion or when they were basically, I want to say that at that point it was like after dinner or whatnot um, where they were told that there was a uh, museum wing of the house. Right. Yeah. And they had. So, yeah. So I felt like that was appropriate. Um, since you mentioned the dinner, I have to uh, go through that. I love the fact that they had Scooby and uh, Shaggy and Eustace uh, and, you know, Courage all bonding over food, uh, basically, because yes. Scooby and Shaggy <laughs> had to make their traditional Dagwood-sized sandwich or whatever, you know, like that's stacked like three people tall. And uh, yes, and then Eustace even has to admit that it's pretty good, but... Uh, <laughs> I like the fact that he's like, you know, later on in the movie, he's like, it could have used more mustard, you know, grin with Shaggy. <laughs> yeah, you you can't not have Eustace com not complain, I should say. <laughs> but uh, but he but he was agreeing with Shaggy at that point because like when Shaggy you know puts all the mustard stuff on it, Eustace is like too much mustard, you know, like and then and then later on like he's trying to eat the sandwich and he's like it, it, it could use more mustard, you know, like it's, <laughs> I, yeah. I like that little throwback. Um. Of course, there's a scene where, you know, Fred and, you know, Daphne and uh, Muriel and Velma, they're all like trying to, um, they're trying to investigate. And that's where they come across the uh, the room that's got the announcer from the beginning of Courage or whatever that tells them about nowhere. Uh, some, it gives you the history of the place, uh, kind of why it's the way it is a little bit, you know, and uh, I thought that was a good little tie in. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, anything else? It was, when I heard that. I didn't, I was, my eyes weren't on the screen at the time, so I didn't see what they were doing. But immediately, as soon as I heard the announcer's voice, I was like, ah, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, they're the ones that ends up finding like the, uh, what is it, uh, the, like the weird machine down below that's like transmitting the signal to, uh, out there. To oh, everybody. yeah, it's like attached to a meteor. Yeah, and um, of course, that that's being used to cause everybody to be, 
uh, hypnotized to to bring like gold and you know jewelry and you know all kinds of stuff, including the guy from which I thought was good to call back to the beginning of the episode. The the evil clown bank robber he he has to pick up all the bags of money that he's got and bring them, uh, which eventually to Eustace of all people. Uh, <laughs> yes, that was hilarious because he's back at home and everyone, all these rich people are just dropping money off. <laughs> We'll get into that. That that leads into something that I want to talk about at a little bit more detail. But yeah, as far but yeah, they, they find that and then I don't know, is there anything else that you remember about any of these scenes that stood out, uh, besides the fact I mean, besides what we already mentioned, I, I or I think I mean that's what stands out to me from it, but there might have been something I was missing. Um, no, that's kind of it. Basically in a nutshell, I wasn't gonna get into any major detail and I wasn't going to <sighs> Nothing that no, nothing I remember is going to add any substance. I think I remember a lot of funny, just silly things like, uh, for instance, when they were complaining about the food and Frau starts chasing, not chasing them, but just yelling at them in this German accent and then starts like brings her knife up and starts cutting their food. I was like, you just need to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> and she cuts it and they're like, they just eat it right away because they're like, oh, hell no, I'm not fucking with this. Like. That was just the funny, silly references that they had to probably nothing, because other than Germans speaking very angrily. Actually, and I was like, well. Actually, that is a, oh a, another reference, I think, to Young Frankenstein, because Frau Blucher is kind of that way with everybody. Like, whenever she tells them to, like, you know, uh, do something, like, you know, and they don't do it, like, she screams at them like that. That's kind of just another play on that, too. It's just like, you know. Is every Frau the same? Because do you remember Frau from Austin Powers? <laughs> I do know that I mean because it. the Frau from Austin Powers looks like the well they didn't say her name was Frau in this but at least that, not that I recall but they look the same you're you're right yeah the one that was like always screaming it's like bring out the death rays or whatever she says yeah um, well yeah he, you know you'd get Dr. Evil like you know release the such and such and be like release the you know as loud as she could <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that was one of the scenes I kind of remembered. Um, again, haven't seen Young Frankenstein. I immediately thought of Austin Powers, which was another frow. So I guess all frows are one and the same. Yeah, uh, his name was uh, Mr. Glockenspiel. So you're right. That that was his uh, his uh, German name in that. Uh, that's kind of, And it was Frau Glockenspiel was the name of, of her character. Oh my God! So there was, so she was a frau because I didn't catch her being called frau. <laughs> yeah, that's why it stood out to me because I was like Frau Blucher, and you know because I was like that. It just I, I knew instantly what they were referencing whenever they said it. Um, <clears throat> now the next scene when they leave the mansion, I don't remember really what happened. Uh, was there was there was a scene where Muriel and some of them were in like a cage was in like some kind of back of a bus or something. They were trapped. And I, I don't really remember that scene that much. I do remember Muriel gives like another or might no, no, that was in the, well, there was some scene where she gives like a, another riddle and somebody else guesses it at that point, And then, uh, and then, uh, Velma gets mad because she's, you know, she actually knew that one of all the ones that were asked previously. I remember that scene, but I don't remember where it falls in the movie exactly. If it was on the ride to uh, the mansion or away. I think it was, I want to say away. I feel like that was more towards the end. The next scene I remembered after kind of the mansion and then kind of seeing where Eustace is getting bags of stuff was there's like, I don't know, I feel like another chase that happened. There, um, there, well, wait a minute. I forgot. The next scene is probably the cringe scene that I wanted to bring up. The, okay. The Eustace dance video uh, for, oh my God. for Straight Out of Nowhere. Oh, my God. Yeah, I and I didn't like the song. I didn't like the song. I didn't like what they did with him. They made him look like some kind of old, like, you know, white rapper. It was so cringy. Like, I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing with this? It's like, this doesn't fit the character at all. Like, I mean. No. And it was just like him. He's all blinged out. He's got like the gold chain with like the money sign at the end of it. And he's like throwing up the, you know, the the signs or whatever. And it's just like, oh, I, I, I basically wanted to crawl out of my skin. It was so cringy. Yeah. Um, I didn't even put it in my notes because <laughs> I wasn't even going to talk about it. But we're talking about it. So I 
this was a pick up the phone kind of scene and not pay attention. Now, granted, I was at work, so I was just like, you know what? Do I have some filing I need to do right now? (laughs) (laughs) And then watching it at home, I got up and I was like, I think I need some tea right now. Anything. I just kind of listened and waited for the song to be over. So I'm going to be honest with you. I did. I watched it a little bit. Yes, very cringeworthy. I don't really want to say much more about it because it was horrible. And so of, of all the ways to put Eustace to use, this was not it. It was definitely not it. And the only thing I want to say about it is that I think they maybe threw it in to get the kids in there because, you know, like kids love songs, kids love dances, but I don't I don't see kids connecting to that. Maybe they do. Maybe the small ones be like, ah. Scene, but like, uh, yeah, look at that old guy, <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know, but anyways, it, let- <laughs> it was terrible. I want to talk about real quick because I don't know where I feel like this was around this time because I know Courage and Shaggy they had that little heartfelt moment of talking about fear and how, it yes, was- they are afraid, but they're not gonna be, yeah, that was it, that was around that time, it was maybe right after that's and they were getting chased through the cornfield, and there was like the the creepy scarecrow that you know they they're like it was awesome, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought it was cool, yeah, um, but. I, I did. I like that scene, I, I, especially the fact that it, you know you got this one, which we've not discussed, but you've got this whole ongoing uh, running gag through the whole episode that Scooby and Shaggy are listening to the self help like app or something on their phone. Oh yeah, and they're trying to and you know develop courage. And at one point, like the the app even gives up. It's like, man, this is too much for me. You're on your own or whatever because it's like so scared itself. Which I thought was a neat twist. You know what? I feel like that's like a betterhelp.com. <laughs> We're not sponsored, but they sponsor every freaking podcast that I listen to. <laughs> probably is. It's like, if you want to get some help, please go to, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm glad we're talking about this because this is around the time. And I don't know if you caught this because I hope you did because either that or I'm just a perv. But they hook up Velma's tablet to Courage's computer. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, it was right after that because in that scene, Shaggy gets abducted by the the Queen Cicada, who's yes. actually been hiding, I think, in the Scarecrow, and or or close anyway. She flies in after at, while he's in the middle of his impassioned speech. He inspires Scooby and Courage to do something, which is uh, which is good. And then they go and they do the typical Courage thing, bringing that back in about where he you know he goes to his trusty computer that looks like it's straight out of the late eighties, early nineties. And yeah, and he and they combine Velma's little you know, little uh, tablet with it, and it's just like there's this weird love scene between the the two of them as they're like, hmm, "You're you're very interesting." How you know? It's like, uh, how about we share some data? <laughs> like, oh my! It was God. very. There was a lot of sexual innuendo. There was, in my opinion, a lot, and the, uh, definitely some digital penetration happened <laughs> when they plugged into each other. <laughs> That was, I was like, what the hell? And it wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't very sly. It was very out there. It it was very blatant. It wasn't like, it wasn't like in Rocco, since we've discussed that previously. There was a scene in Rocco where uh, the turtle character was like talking about turn a page, wash your hands, which is basically, you know, supposed to be a subtle hint at like you're reading a porno mag and you know, mm-hmm. it's covered in, you know, you know what, and you're having to wash your hands because of it. It wasn't that level of sly. It was literally just like, mm, we're, you know, we're plugged in now. Uh, you know, let's share some data. You know, like it was, it was very overt. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, that is, that's bold. But I mean, I was giggling. So <laughs> I, I enjoyed, I could not be quiet. And I was having a hard time around the kids because I was like, if I, start giggling they're gonna know that (laughs) that's something that that they should be focusing on yes and especially my daughter and she was chuckling so she definitely got it thankfully flew right over the the younger one's head but i was like oh my god this is this is terrible (laughs) i mean in in the best way i wouldn't have removed it at all No, I, I I did like that scene. I mean, and and like I said, it goes back to the original courage because that every episode had him consulting in the computer, basically, 
and because that was really the only person besides him that knew anything was going on in his show, and so that was what he yes. had to do. Um, and of course, if I remember, I mean, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that I, the only thing that they really get out of that whole scene, though, is the fact that I think they locate where the meteorites uh, currently at, or something's really all they get out of all of that stuff. Yeah, basically, um, I would say that it got pretty scientific for just a just a moment, literally just like a minute where they kind of explain you are you kind of mentioned it where it kind of talks a little bit about how it was working and how it was controlling. I want to say that happened during the scene. Yeah, I think it did. Now that you mentioned it, because it was talking about how it used like some kind of, uh, you know, rays or some kind of dark matter to like, you know, control, you know, uh, like the the uh, change reality or something like that around it. And, you know, they, they kind of went into some of that stuff and, and it actually, in a way, now that you mention it, it's, it, this is a good point. It actually gave an origin to nowhere. Like, you know, the show, I don't think oh, ever, yeah. ever had one. Like it was just basically weird shit happened in nowhere and nobody knew why this gave a definitive reason why, because that meteorite has been there since the dawn of time. Yeah, right under, I think, Eustace and Mariel's house. Which is why they always got the weird shit happening at their place. Yeah. Um, It did also, and I don't know if that you caught this, it heavily implied how the media is responsible for a lot of brainwashing. I heard that at least once or twice, and not in those specific words, but like I said, heavily implied. They mentioned the media a couple times. I don't... Did you not catch that? I, I I probably missed that. Like, be honest with you, I really did. I, that's I mean, and if I did catch it, it, it was one of those things that kind of just you know was gone. Like after I watched it, but I think I do remember you saying that now because, or remember it saying that now that you mention it because of the fact that in the episode they you know they they talk about how like it was always covered up, like you know everything exactly that happened in nowhere. It was like. The, the you know kind of going the conspiracy theory route but like basically everybody knew this stuff was happening but like the the media and the government would basically move in there and be like nothing to see here this is what happened you know and then you know kind of you know brainwash everybody into believing that's what it was yeah or reroute and so I caught that I think I want to say at least twice I caught it and I was like I was actually pretty impressed maybe not so much impressed but like shocked because that's not really something that's bold to put in something so new in these times right now. It, it really is, considering the fact that if you even hint that that's something that goes on, which used to be something that people admitted went on, but, I mean, if you even mention it now, you're somehow this weird QAnon weirdo. So, I mean, and you, you have to be... Exactly. You know, removed from all sources of, you know, social media and everything else. So, it, it, you're right. It is... It was kind of... It was, it was a very bold yeah. move, I mean, to put it in there. Now, you and I would argue that Courage the Cowardly Dog specifically is the perfect place to put this because that was mostly an ongoing thing with the show, not so much the media, but just random, like, conspiracy theory kind of things. So Courage is the perfect place to hide that. But for any future generation that's watching this, <laughs> I don't think that they're going to pick it up. But definitely, if you're an adult watching this, you catch it and you're like, hmm, it's going to make you think. <laughs> That's just my opinion on that. I, I agree um, with you. I agree with you. Yeah, we got to get to not wrapping it up, but get towards the end because we still got to record Legend. Uh, um, yeah. But, the only thing I wanted to say about the ending of this where they had like, a, this is another one of those interminable scenes that just went back and forth, back and forth because they're underneath the ground. They're, they've they've collected the meteorite, then they get attacked by the cicadas again and it's back and forth or, mm -hmm. you know, a typical, you know, cartoon thing where somebody grabs it, it gets knocked out of their hand, somebody else grabs it. The one thing I did like about this scene, even though it dragged on forever, I felt like, or at least by at least a few minutes more, longer than it should have, is the fact that every time one of them would pick up, they would change into something different. And like the yes, the one that I liked the most was when Daphne picks it up and she changes into like this 8-bit pixelated character from like a video game. I, yes! I love that. That was so cool. <laughs> I loved it. And then it had the music too and I forgot what song it was. Because um, I caught it right off the bat. So I'm going to have to go back and check it out. Um, because I really do want to throw some sound clips. I'm going to say about this scene, I actually liked that song. The opposite of fear is fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was... I, I, I didn't like the other... You, know, um, you could also be high off of some fucking shrooms and watch this. I mean, it was definitely <laughs> one of those psychedelic 
you're going to see some things. <laughs> this, this scene in particular was for sure. I mean, because they kept like every, you know, characters were changing left and right. Uh, you know. Uh, they have the bright colors. Yeah, the bright colors. The gravity was being reversed. They were flying upwards. And I mean, all that stuff. And then, of course, I mean, I don't know if you want to mention anything else about that. But then you get to the end of the movie where basically, it, you know, you get the big reveal that the mayor the whole entire time was like two of cowardly or courage, cowardly dogs biggest uh you know villains which was like cats and you know the, the i don't know why i can't remember the duck names guy or duck lequack duck lequack and uh you know they, <laughs> they were basically in that suit and like everybody was like what the fuck are that a talking duck you know like that's where it finally hit for velma like she'd seen all this shit before but she could kind of halfway a meteorite's explainable giant bugs are explainable but you got this weird you know, Satan looking cat and this weird talking duck. That was too much for her. She, she was out <laughs> at that point. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then of course the, the government comes in there and they're coming in to sweep it all up and take the meteorite with them for, I assume nefarious purposes, but that's my natural distrust. And, you know, maybe <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking too. Um, and because, they're kind of well, not the I wouldn't say the masterminds behind it, but I I want to say it was implied during the very very end when they're having that disco dance scene that oh I was going to use it for this, but it makes a good disco ball, you know? Yeah, it's like uh, well I was going to use it to manipulate people's minds, but hey, let's have a little dance off, you know? It's like I mean it's it's a neat way to wrap it up for the kids, but I mean you're sitting there you're like damn as soon as they get this meteorite everybody's fucked. <laughs> yeah, either that or the meteorite has control over them and they're fucked, which means we're fucked. <laughs> uh, the true, true. <laughs> Death holler is not intended for young children. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> um I don't know. If uh, let's go let's let's talk about our feelings on this. You want to go first? I'll go first. If we're going to give these ratings, and I didn't know, we've not discussed this to see if that's what you wanted to do. I honestly, I would probably give this a two and a half out of five. It's it. It was to me, it was fun to watch the first time through, but it's just like I told you off air. I don't. Uh, I it's not one that I'm going to go back and and want to rewatch very often. And there's a couple of things reasons why. Uh, the the cringy used to scene for sure. The interminable, you know, like you know, running, chasing scenes or whatever that drag on a little too long, and I I don't know there. It, it felt like it was missing a little something more. Like they they could have took some of that stuff, trimmed it out, and had more of the the interactions like Muriel at the table with the you know the kids or something like that that kind of brings like a little bit of joy to the movie. If they would have had one or two more scenes like that, I think it would have bumped it up a little bit as far as something I would want to go back and rewatch. But it mainly just made me want to go back and rewatch the series that inspired it. Like I wanted to go back and watch Courage, you know, the original show, and I wanted to go back and watch, you know, especially those Scooby, which I want to watch anyways for Halloween. But the Scooby Doo uh, monster movies where they actually, you know, ran into monsters. I wanted to see those more than this movie, and that's kind of where I ended up at with it. Yeah, um, I agree with you actually on everything. I am, however, going to give it a higher rating because I just enjoyed this so much. And I've watched it twice, and I would definitely watch it again. Um, I think that's just my immaturity level. Uh, like I said, I could not stop chuckling the whole time I was watching this, except for obviously the cringe scenes, which we discussed. But I enjoyed it so much that I could overlook those. And I do agree with you that there was something missing. Like there could have been more. It was 78 minutes long. And I don't know if that includes, you know, the ending credits and everything, which weren't super long. But there was definitely things that could have been removed and had more in-depth scenes. Like I said, more interaction. Um, could it have been a little scarier? I feel like it could have been a little creepier because Courage the Cowardly Dog, there were some scenes, or not scenes, there were some episodes that were creepy as fuck. Um, I, and I, I agree. You know, things that kind of just made you cringe and creep, not cringe and ugh, that was a dumb scene. I, I agree about so, that, with about Courage, because like on the original show, there was... They, they gave that show time to breathe. Like, even though it was a short show, there would be, like, scenes where there would be, like, just this, like, where it's in nowhere, like, this be there would be nothing. And, like, you know, Courage would be kind of, like, you know, trying to investigate, and there would be just, like, this creepy, like, wind howling or something like that to kind of set up the mood for whatever's going to pop out at him next. And they didn't give this movie any time like that at all. 
Like it was, no, you know, it was bam, they, bam, bam. Scooby Doo, like, you, you know. don't have that, right? <laughs> Scooby Doo, you didn't have that. So you have the when you're mixing two worlds. Let's let's briefly bring up Scooby Natural. You brought two worlds together. You brought the the naivety, the I don't know, innocence of Scooby Doo mixed with supernatural. You're talking about two completely different worlds. And in that show, you had actual murder. You had cussing. You had Dean Winchester flirting with Daphne, wanting to get in that skirt. <laughs> if they could do that, mixing two kid cartoons, technically, you could have, you know, again, the slight innocence, if you will, of Scooby-Doo, because they're not completely innocent. It's heavily implied that, you know, at least Shaggy and Scooby are smokers and snackers, you know, <laughs> cereal that smokers and, uh, and snackers. And Fred and Daphne are definitely always breaking away for some reason, and, you know, there's always yeah, that hint. naughty teenagers. <laughs> and then you got Courage, which always had a decent amount of creep factor to it. I, it feels like they were afraid to really go that far into the creep factor. They wanted to keep it more kid friendly. I get it. Um, but I mean, courage was always intended for kids and still was creepy. So I don't know why they held back, but I'm still going to give this a three and a half, four. Cause like I said, I would watch it again and it does. You're right. It makes me want to go watch courage more again, which we do have access to that. And I think that's a good thing. I think this movie really brought it back for at least some of us true fans, you know? I, I agree with that, and, yeah. and and I think you might have hit the reason why I'm kind of like down on this because you have two properties here, both uh, I think are both owned by Warner Brothers that could have eased. Uh, they're the best matchup that Scooby Doo has ever done with anything. Period, as far as like tone goes. I mean, you couldn't. It's a you know another show about a dog that's like the central you know thing. It's a you know they're they're both about kind of the supernatural, but you know at least scary themed things. And they should have just meshed better. Like I, that, I think that's my biggest issue. They they didn't they didn't allow the the two best parts of the show to really outside of some of the nostalgia stuff to really integrate and create like something better from the two. If you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. But um, is there's anything else you want to add uh, before we uh you know check out for this episode? <laughs> No, not in terms of uh, Scooby-Doo, middle of nowhere. Uh, I Definitely, de despite our different scores, I think we can agree that folks should check it out for I, themselves. I, I do think it should be watched at least once, because especially for fans of either, you know, especially if you like both of the shows, it's it's a neat little throwback. Yeah, you can, most places, if you're doing this dig digitally, you can rent it for $4.99, as little as $4.99, which is a little higher price to me for renting. Um, I bought it for $9 because I'm like, I'm going to use it again. I'm probably going to, you know, clip some audio from it. I, I, That's just an investment on my end, you know? I, I and bought, then the kids I are going to want to I mean, it's something I'll, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll eventually go back and watch it. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things that I don't immediately want to go back and rewatch. Yeah, and I don't necessarily blame you. You and I have different, I don't know, uh, I think it's good. We have a good opposites type interest in horror. So, <laughs> I don't know. I Look at me, I'm still giggling about this show. I, I really liked it. <laughs> so, with that, we'll call this episode. Thank you for listening, and look forward to our next episode where we review Legend. And with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit.